You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Katie Burke. Today, I have special guest, Ryan Graves from Mayfield, Kentucky. Ron is a special ed teacher, primarily for our podcast. He is a waterfowl historian and collector, mostly of Illinois Illinois area duck calls and, well, all duck calls, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, welcome to the show, Ryan. Glad to be here. Um, so, I w- we'll talk a little bit about um, how you got into duck call collecting, just to kind of give us a little background, yeah. and then we'll kind of get... A little more into the weeds. Yeah. Well, I mean, and honestly, it came like organically. I always tell everybody that like collecting is like a personality trait. Like, it's like you're almost either born a collector or you're not. But like, you know, both of my parents are collectors. Dad collects cars and guns, and mom just collects like Americana and everything. So you know, like, I mean, honestly, just naturally, I was I'm a history lover in general. Um, you know, I just have always loved anything old and cool. So um, naturally, with you know, growing up in Southern Illinois, you know, waterfowl hunting, especially Canada the Goose hunting was so popular. So, you know, I mean, I really got involved heavily with that in high school. And, and um, you know, the high school girlfriend, her parents bought me the book, The Duck Calls of Illinois, that came out in 94. Yeah. And, um, you know, I bought that and, um, you know, just, you know, and just dreamed of always being able to, you yeah. know, to own, you know, stuff that's in it. Never really thought of it be a, a goal. The, or or I didn't think it would be an achievable goal to, 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 you know, have a lot of the stuff that's in it. But, you know, come to find out that I did, you know, I just, when, 
It's funny, but I've just always been, in fact, I just have always loved history. Like, say, when I was a kid, you know, like most kids, I collected baseball cards, but I never collected the tops, you know, stuff through the 80s when I was growing up. I always saved my money and bought, you know, Mickey Mantles and, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. So I've just always loved history. So, I mean, honestly, it's just, it, it just come net, you know. And, um, you know, and I used to always go to the, the Decoin flea market on, you know, the first Sunday of every month. And, you know, I'd look for baseball cards, you know, if I found like an old old you know, or something like, you know, and I just always kept, would, you know, find the old ults and um, and stuff like that, and i just keep them, and I didn't realize that there would be a time when that stuff was, you know, pretty valuable, so I had accumulated a lot of it, and, you know, so I started to sell off a lot of it, and, you know, and end up turning that stuff into, you know, higher quality antique calls, and um, how it got to this point, I don't really know. <laughs> well, it's a rabbit hole, right? It, it is. It's, it's a rabbit hole. I mean, I, I would never have dreamed of, you know, having the extensive of a, of a collection, you know, as I do. You know, I mean, it's, you know, the stuff's what very is, valuable. And what expensive. is it like if you put 10,000 hours into something, you're an expert? Yeah, oh, yeah, ex so absolutely. I good? mean, like, you know, I put, you know, easily 10,000 hours and burn up a Honda Civic, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, um, you know, it's just, it, it's it's funny how times change. I remember, like, I was going to um, Western Illinois University in 98, and um, that's kind of like around when eBay first came out, and, you know, I would go to the dorms, and and I would sit and look at eBay for old calls, and I'd write on my hand, you know, be back in the dorm by, you know, 735 because the call's going off. You know, and I, I just, I did that stuff for years, and now it's, 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 you know, and just picked up things for, you know, pennies on the dollar. And now everybody's got eBay on their phones and, and right. you know, apps that'll bid for them if you just, so like, I don't know, it's, 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 it's been a, it's been a, it's been an interesting ride. So in those early calls where you picked up those small calls, did any, have you kept any of those first few yeah, calls? Yeah, I do. Like some of the, um, like I say, I first, that one, I, the first old calls that I bought were old. So I, you know, yeah. I mean, that's what I knew the most about, um, you know, I went to school in Macomb, Illinois, and, and um, South Pekin was close to it. And, you know, and it's just the one that was just just easiest to find out. And, and it's funny, like, you know, my early years in college, like, I would um, I would get a decent little collection of calls going, and I would end up, you know, you know, <laughs> run out of money or something for college, whether it be money or something else, and end up selling it. And, you know, so it's just funny, like, how many times I I would get a decent collection going yeah. and I'd sell it and start the rebuilding process. Yeah. But but I do still have the, the and it's on display there at the um, at the pyramid, like the first old call that I particularly got and held on to. It ended up being a special one. I didn't realize it was special at the time. But right, like, yeah, I was wondering yeah, if you had yeah, any. Yeah. yeah, so our audience knows, I probably should have mentioned this at the start of the podcast, but today uh, we installed Ryan's collection at the Waterfowling Heritage Center. So it'll be there for the next year, so come on down and see it. Um, but, yeah, that we did that today. So it's there now, I guess, whatever. It's starting September 27th, so when this comes out, you can go watch it. Perfect. Um, yeah, I was wondering if you had any of that. So what is, I know, like, you're, so you grew up in southern Illinois and duck hunting area, but what is it about, like, is there a certain carver's story that you just, like, really, I don't know how to explain it, but there's certain people in history, like, I think as a historian, you kind of get this feeling, but. Sometimes you just kind of connect to these people. Yeah, absolutely. In the history, yeah, is there and, anyone? In yeah, it would be Charles Grubb. Charles Grubbs, um, Charles Perdue, and and Victor Glodo. You know, yeah. you know, um, Grubbs is probably like my all time favorite call makers. Like, 
you know, I mean, I would do anything if I could travel back in time and, and meet him. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a lot of um, unanswered questions around the dates and times and, and of his calls. So I would love just to be able to, like, you know, I mean, it's just two or three questions that could answer could answer so many mysteries. Right. But, man, but, like, Charles Grubbs, he was, you know, um, Fred Allen gets the, you know, gets the, 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 thumbs up for being probably the first to, to make a commercial call, but Grubbs is the one that really pushed it, and, you know, and made a, like, a wooden call, like, that would be similar to what we use in today's okay. deal. So, like, but Grubbs, like, it's just a very fascinating person. You know, he, um, you know, he was, he started up on Sinatuan Lake, Illinois, and, and, you know, and, you know, he made decoys, he made calls, and, like, you know, he was there for a while. And then he, you know, he took off to Chicago, went to went to work for VLNA, and you know, the next thing you know, he's all the way down to Pasigula, Mississippi. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is all within a thirty-year span, right. but but you know, then ended up um, spent the rest of his life and died in nineteen thirty in, in Houston, Texas. But you know, he's just probably one of the earliest pioneers of waterfowling products in general, especially that of calls. You know, if, if you look at all the old. Um, you know, all the old cat, um, wholesale catalogs and all that. You know, a lot of the earliest and most historical calls are Grubbs calls. Yeah. So, so what do you think, I mean, because Illinois is the first area, what do you think drove Grubbs to go into that business? There obviously had to be a demand. Um, you know, the Illinois River is so, you know, outside of the Chesapeake Bay region, you know, it was, you know, the Illinois River would probably fall as, you know, one of the most historic spots and, you know, historic waterfowl hunting areas in the country and, and, um, you know, and there was not a whole lot of need for, or, um, you know, for duck calls on the East Coast. You know, a lot of that more so divers and stuff right. is where the Illinois River Valley was mostly puddle ducks and and so forth. So um, there's no telling how it come about, but, you know, that uh, there was just so many, you know, affluent businessmen that, that flooded into yeah. the Illinois River bottoms from Chicago into all these early historic clubs. And, um, you know, I, I just... Figure he probably just built a mousetrap that was, um, you know, it was good. Then it just it just really just took off in that area. Right, yeah. You know, so, I mean, so a lot of your earliest and, you know, all of your earliest documented duck calls outside of the Elam Fisher, which I'm sure you've seen with the Elam Fisher calls. I mean, they were the first patented calls, you know, to go back to Michigan. But, you know, they were more of like a crow call, tongue pincher style, you know, which is not, you know, yeah, which true. is not the same as yeah. like what a, a, a traditional duck call is. So, like I said, that area was just mainly puddle ducks and mallards and all that. So, I mean, there was, you know, somebody come up with it, and and I mean, it just all exploded from you know that area. Yeah. Do you think he had like well, Fred Allen did the metal calls, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think he had seen those and gone to wood, or he just came up with the wood design on his? Well, I'd own? say he probably just come up with the wood design on his own because there's two different, you know, the Allen calls and the Grubbs calls. They're so you know, different. Yeah. They're so different, you know, like the, the F.A. Allen calls would be, you know, what most would consider like a Louisiana-style call now. You know, it's got the, um, you know, it would have the, you know, the stopper piece, and it would have the tone board and a wedge, you know, shoved in there to hold it all in place. So it would be like three pieces. Right. You know, as to where, um, you know, the Illinois River, you know, style and what many um, refer to now as the, the, the real foot style. Right. Which you know come to fruition on the in the Illinois River Valley, yeah. um, you know. So it's hard to say because they're both two different styles. Right. And speaking of that, we should probably talk about Glodo because um, everyone thinks when you see an Illinois River, I think 
people who don't collect or are just getting into it, they think of it as the real foot style. Mm-hmm. But it's actually coming back from Illinois. Yeah. Um, and Glodo is who took it down there, and it blew up in the real foot area. Yes, absolutely. The, um, the Glodo family, they was from um, the Fountain Bluff, Rattle, um, Dagonia Township areas of Jackson County, which is um, about 35 minutes west of, you know, where I grew up. And, and I grew up... Um, you know, all of where I did my duck hunting at growing up was, you know, in round about those same areas. But, um, but you know, the Glodos, there was, I mean, there was, there was a bunch of them. They were all market hunters and, um, you know, a very frugal family that um, didn't have a lot of, you know, extra income. To, and it's not like there was, you know, a lot of options to buy back then. So they just made their own stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, the Glodo stuff is, um, so valuable, so sought after. Um, like I say, then, it, and, and more so than anything, because if if you look at them, it's it's like it, they're not the fanciest. They're not. It just it's just yeah. But they started it. Absolutely yeah, yes. It's, it it's all it's them. all about history and American folk art. Yeah. If it wasn't you know, for them, was we no, wouldn't have There was our no lays. There was, um, you know, like I say, they would bore their the bore their comb boards out with like a hot poker, and you know, and it, it's. I don't know, so neat. But anyways, you know, so 1880s, 1890s, you know, the Corps of Engineers put a levee up, you know, yeah. around that area down there. And, you know, the Mississippi River backwater stopped, you know, getting into the area. So, you know, to continue to market hunt, you know, Victor Glodo packed up shop and went to the Real Foot Lake area. And yeah. John Nicholas Glodo, his brother, you know, went to the Big Lake area of Arkansas and southeast Missouri. Yeah. Um, so, and it really kind of all boils down to, I guess, you know, your first mentions of the Glodos come from um, Nash Buckingham's article, The Neglected Duck Call, when he talks about the Frenchman, you know, uh-huh. named Glodo from, you know, yeah. Illinois coming to the hills of Tennessee. Uh-huh. I didn't know this. Like yeah. So that's probably where the first mentions huh. of it. Um, but yeah, he brought it, to, um, like I said, he brought it down to the Roofhead area and and I don't know how the classification comes or, or what, but... He's considered to be the grandfather of the checkered duck call. Yeah, he's yeah. the one who makes them pretty. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's funny because like now that's we where when you see a hand carved duck call for the most part, it usually you see either you know the checkered style mm-hmm. or you get the laminates which come later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that checkering. No checkering. I mean, neat, what like, what possessed him to? Well, you know, I don't know. It's like. It's, you know what? Well, they they checkered shotguns and stuff to make it you know more comfortable mm-hmm. for your hands and feel. But I think for the duck calls, it was all just a decorative purposes, which is I was very intriguing. I'm not a call maker, but you know, just of out of curiosity, like last you know summer during COVID, or not really like at the end of the school year of would have been 2020. Like you know, we COVID everything is shut down. I thought I'm going to teach myself how to checker. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I've picked it up and I've you know and gotten pretty decent at it and I enjoy doing it, but I sit and think of it and I'm doing this with modern tools. Right. So I sit and think about Victor Glodo and all of them doing this in the late 1800s with, you know, I mean, they, they, they weren't able to go to Brownells and, <laughs> and buy the tools. So it's like how they did it and did it as nice as they did. And yeah. so, um, you know, I think they would just take like old screwdrivers and just whatever. I mean, I mean, that, it's a, you know, it's a group of people that are, are long gone. You know, they, they didn't have anything to buy at the store, so they just made whatever they needed. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, you didn't think about it that way. And, like, why you would even do that? Like, the like, is it cost-effective for them to sit there and check out that call? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would think not because, you know, just, the, you know, I don't, you know, sell any checkering or doing anything like that. I just, 
you know, take old junk duck calls or something like that and just, you know, it's really just something yeah. tinker. But as long as it takes, yeah, you know, I, I can't, I can't imagine. And it's, the funny part is, is, you know, there's a few call makers, like, whether it be Glodo or Sundown Cochran and stuff, like, you know, the, the smooth barrel versions of their calls are virtually non-existent. You know, like, I've had a smooth Victor Glodo. I've, I think I've seen one smooth Sundown Cochran call, but it's like, you would have to think that if they made a bunch of checkered calls, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's not a bunch of these Yeah, not around. a bunch, period, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, they would have probably have made more calls that weren't, but, you know, if they have, they're not around. Right, that's, that is, that's an interesting yeah. point, yeah. I wonder, uh, maybe they just, like, set a standard for themselves yeah. at some point. Yeah, that's interesting. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. What is it like, I mean, as someone who enjoys history like you do and you collect the decoys I mean the calls of the area that you hunt like what does it like for you to hunt that same area as these people it's neat like um you know like one of the you know I I wish like you know I I was very you know like I haven't I left Illinois in I guess 2006 2007 and I haven't been back home to hunt you know all that much um no real reason. It's just, you know, the club that I'm a part of is, you know, um, it's just hard to get away from once our season comes in. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I wish I knew now, or I wish I knew then what I know now about the areas that I grew up hunting. Right. I would have put a lot more thought in, you know, pro- th- thought into that because, you know, like some of the areas that I grew up is where the Roseberries and, um, um, you know, and Murray Werther and just a few of the really neat, um, you know, historical call makers from Southern Illinois hunted, so... I wish I'd have known then what I know now. Right? I, I yeah, I bet. I would have thought it was one cool. of the rows, the the still Ed, living. Yeah, yeah, Ed, yeah. He called me early on when I had Howard's collection yeah. in, and he asked if I could if I'd put one of his calls next to his 
his grandfathers and fathers. And I was like, yeah, yeah. why not? <laughs> it's like, bring it on. Yeah. So he sent it down and um, I put that in for for him. But yeah, he's a really nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ed, he's, he's uh, he came up to me a few years ago to the show and he gave me some, um, just some old newspaper articles and pictures, you know, from Yeah, family. he sent me a bunch of that yeah, stuff too. Like, yeah, you know, knew that I was interested in the historical part of it. So yeah. he's, you know, wanted me to have that stuff, which... That was very kind. That is very kind. Most of those people want to hold on to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you're so, yeah. I mean, you've got quite the collection of just, yeah, let's even point that. You have all these calls, but you have more resource material than probably any collector <laughs> yeah. out there. Yeah. And I, I collect that stuff as as much as I, I do the calls. I can, um, but, you know, I, I was very fortunate. One of my early mentors in this was um, Bob Christensen from, you know, he was from Chicago. You know, he wrote the book, The Duck Calls of Illinois, and, 93 and 94, and um, Bob is just a, a a fantastic guy. He was, you know, a high school teacher and just a very intelligent person about in general. the same career. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. So it, it was funny. You know, I mean, I come across some calls, and I think I probably first called him like 2007, 2008, and, and it, it was just funny. Like at the time, you know, like, you know, he, he didn't really take me real serious at first because it, it's tough, like, to – you know, you, you have these, you know, young kids call you all the time or, or reach out. And, you know, usually it's just, you know, the first question is, what's this worth? Right. You know, and, um, you know, I didn't really do that. And, you know, I continued to talk to him. And Bob's and like, you know, he, he didn't have any sons. He had a, had one daughter that lived in the Northeast. And, and you know, he had really kind of already sold the, the bulk of his stuff. But, um, you know, he was just a very... Um, I don't know what the right word is I'm looking for, but, you know, he, um, a very scholarly person. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, so all the information, you know, he ever gathered on these call makers when, you know, and like his book, you know, like come to find out, you know, there's probably two or three errors in the book, you know, like well, you're going to have that with the stuff. Yeah. But, you know, as far as what the time somebody spent to make a book as accurate as could be, like, you know, and he's got that reputation with the collectors, but, you know, he ended up willing all that stuff to me. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, you know, this is when he wrote this book in the time of, you know, there was not email, there was not, so, and and he never threw a thing away. Wow. So it, it's just funny, like, you know, the, the stuff that, all, you know, like, you know, I would text you or you would text me. He's got that on a postcard from snail mail back and forth to all these collectors. <laughs> he just always saved all that stuff, so... And, I mean, it took me two or three truckloads to get it all home from Chicago. Oh, so, wow. You know, so I've, I've been, you know, very, you know, and, and there's so much information. You know, he would, uh, from as far back as the early 80s, he would write in a journal about, you know, all the happenings and call collecting and oh, wow. this and that. And, yeah, that's amazing. And he kept it all. And, like, so it's been, you know, it's given me a lot of insight on how. Yeah, you know, I can I can see this in myself, and I think this is like a history yeah. buff thing, but, I can imagine you were probably a breath of fresh air because I'm sure you were like uh, happy to he let him talk to you. Like, yeah. Oh yes. You were just willing uh, yeah. to listen. And the thing is, like, and and you know, he knew I didn't have like you know, he still had some calls left, and I would buy what I could, but he knew that I didn't have a lot of money yeah. to like buy the stuff and like. But I would drive from my house in Marion to Chicago, and it'd be like six hours, and there'd be times I would never buy anything from him. Yeah. But I would just. Um, just I just sit, you know. My dad always told me that to talk, you know, to listen twice as much as you talk, and like, so that's what I did. And just like, so he, he you know, once he found out that I'm not just a kid that's, you know, trying to flip a call and, 
make a buck, you know, because that, you know, that, that, I, happens, that, that, can get, that can get very old. I've, yeah. I've got my feel of that myself. Yeah, you probably you get know. your feelings hurt a little bit having to deal with that as much because he's so interested in it. I mean, same yeah. with you if a young kid Yeah, came exactly. Off. And like, you know, yeah. you're reluctant to work with young people at first, but then he saw where I was. He's like, so, you know, he called me one time. He's like, man, he's like, next time you come up, I got a bunch of stuff I'm going to give you. And I thought, well, that's cool. But man, the, you know, the files for every call maker, yeah. and, you know, and the in-depth research and, you know, and there were several historical call make, um, collectors that, you know, were on the historical side of it that had willed stuff to him. Oh, wow. You know, so I yeah. got... Um, so what know. are you going to do with that stuff? You know, and one thing he asked me to do is he asked me to do the same with it that he did with me. Yeah. Um, is to find somebody that, you know, and, I, and, and Bob doesn't live in Chicago anymore. He lives in, out, out in Utah. Um, his wife passed away, and that's where his daughter lived, ended up living. So he went out there, and, you know, I still talk to him, you know, several times a month. Um, but it, it's funny. It's like he kind of had started to sell his collection because, you know, he didn't have any – his daughter lived in the northeast at the time, and, and you know, she wasn't really interested in it. And he didn't want his – you know, his wife was a little bit older than he was. You know, he didn't want something to happen to him. He didn't know what to do with it all. So, like, I kind of rejuvenated his interest – uh-huh. And collecting, so he kind of lived vicariously, like through yeah. me, like you know. So I mean, he's still like all, after all the auctions, you know, like what this go for, what what, you know. And I always like if there's, you know, good stuff that pops up on eBay, I always you know let him know about it. And, yeah. And like I say, he's just a, he's just a phenomenal guy, and and he's he's so well respected by by so many, and he just you know, and it's and like early on, you know, I mean, I found some great stuff, yeah. you know, and. You know, the more collectors I talk to, and it just kind of, I've said this a lot on here, but it just keeps reiterating the importance of these mentor-mentee relationships in collectors. Like, I haven't really talked to a collector that doesn't have that. Yeah, I mean, and and you have to. And and, and I tried, um, you know, I tried to to be that way for, you know, I mean, I, I help so many people with their collections, like, you know, and I enjoy helping as much as, is I do finding the stuff on my own, but what I don't enjoy is, is, and I'm sure if, whether you talk to Robbie and, and all these guys in the decoys, it's, you know, just somebody that sends you a Facebook message and, you know, what's this worth? You know, they found it and they just want to flip it. Well, for you a love quick it. Buck. You don't, you have yeah, a love for so, these things. So that, so yeah. that gets, that's the side of it that gets frustrating. Like, but, um, but, you know, I mean, there's been some, you know, some new, you know, some friends that, you know, newer friends to me that have gotten into collecting the last couple of years. I mean, I'd been over backwards to, to you know, to help them. And they've just, it's just all about respect. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like Bob, you know, like when I, I the main reason I call, talked to him the first time I did is because I was trying to find values on something, but that's not the first thing I asked him. Right. You yeah. know, I was like, you know, like, I think I got, I've got these. I think this is what this is. You know, do you have any pictures of the ones you have? I saw it's in your book and, you know, not just what's this worth? What can I sell it for? Who can right. I sell it to? Yeah. You know, and that's just not. You want to just, learn more about the car yeah. you had, not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, it makes so. sense. No, it makes sense. Yeah, those are, those relationships are, I, I can't like stress how important they are. Yeah, it yeah. is. And, it, and honestly, I will say is, you know, for all the friends that I have, um, you know, there's very few people that I don't know through um, calls and decoys. And, and I don't know anybody that's not the same way. Right. You know, yeah. like, and I say, and, and the, the main thing I, I should, I can, you know, suggest to the younger collectors is, is you know, is just a, you know, when you pursue, you know, these, these collectors is, is just be respectful, you know, show interest, um, ask well thought out questions. 
Um, like I say, the, the just going straight to the value of things and, and you know, it's not usually the, the yeah, that's the, good advice. And yeah. I, you know, we get, we get a lot of questions about that and I feel like that's really good advice. Um, Especially you're not because you're not a you're not an old guy like yeah. these guys. I, and it's funny, <laughs> and, and, and it's so funny because like, you know, we took a we took a group picture of like some of my closest friends like through the call collecting at um, Callapalooza, and you know I'm 42, John Stevens he's 47 or 48, and like I told him it's like hell it's a good thing John and I are in here because it. You know, out of the eight of us, we 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 brought the average age down to about seventy two, because <laughs> I mean it, it's very top heavy. Yeah, it is. I mean, but though, let's let's talk about that a little bit because <laughs> I think that's an important point because you're a really good example of this. I mean, the reason why they're they are on average so like much older is because they can afford it. Mm-hmm. But you went about collecting in a much different way. And, and like, it is doable for the younger generation. It is. I mean, it's just, and the main thing you, I, I tell younger collectors is we live in a society that everybody has to have everything right now. Yeah. You know, like, by God, if I'm going to be a duck call collector in six months, if I don't have the, the collection that Ryan Graves or Mike Lewis or, or Mark Warmoth or John Stevens has, and then hell, what's the point in doing it? Right. You know, and I, I mean, Rome wasn't built in a week. Right. You know, like, just just be patient. Like, you know, like, you know, I, I by no means have the business owning the stuff that I do. Because, like, <laughs> I mean, I've had to work for every bit of it. But I do think I appreciate my stuff more. Like, you know, like, most of the stuff is, you know, I found farm fresh. You know, I just haven't just been able to. And but man, that's just what makes it so much fun is is the hunt. That that's just how I've had to go about it. I mean, you know, I don't take anything away from anybody that's, you know, can um, just buy and buy and buy. But but you know, also too, then you'll have people like, man, I can't afford to collect that stuff. But but I'll spend a hundred thousand dollars on contemporary stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you're gonna have about as much of what you've got as what I've got. Right. Yeah. I mean, because yeah, it's <laughs> true. Like you're you're. But and I will also say is. There's no way that, you know, with my means, I could start doing today what I did back then and have what I've got now. Yeah. Because, like, you know, this is... Internet's was, changed everything. <laughs> this is, you know, I mean, like, um, so smartphones and Facebook have, have you know, really put a crimp in my style. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because like I, say, I used to make it a point to be back at the dorm so I could buy stuff on eBay. You know, now, like I say, everybody's got to where you can, you know, you can have an app bid for you. You can, um, you know, then... You know, just say, like, you know, something on eBay shows up. And, you know, back then I used to buy, like, so much stuff that people put on there, didn't know what it was. And, you know, it's, you know, they put it on there. They didn't do any research to see what it was. And, you know, I would buy this stuff for pennies on the dollar. Now that now that stuff's impossible. If somebody sees that on Facebook, on, on, on eBay, somebody's going to get on Facebook. Like, you know, hey, did you see that unknown call on there? Because... You know, if they're not, if they can't get it, I don't want anybody else to get it. You know? Oh, you see it all the time on yeah. there, yeah. And then it's like someone's like, it's like someone tries to tell you it's not any good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Everything's always better when it's you know like if you got it, it's nothing. But if you know if they got it, it's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's one thing I I can, you know, I can go to sleep at night and and say that you know most of the stuff that I've got, I've you know I've bought from, you know, um, online auctions, auctions. Um, you know, I've actually I burned up a Honda Civic driving to little auctions and stuff, and and I've I've bought very few things from individuals. So, 
Oh, really? And, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you know, when I do, I mean, I actually, I've always been very fair. So that's one thing I go to sleep at night, and nobody can ever say that I've taken advantage of them. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, um, no, and it makes it, well, it makes you like your own collection a little more. Like you Yeah, know, exactly. Like I say, I'm just, you know, and, and I don't, um, you know, I've got a, I've got a very good um, collection of duck calls, but like, you know, there's guys that, you know, I think I've probably got 300 and, I was kind of doing inventory when I was getting all this stuff. Right. I mean, I probably got about 325, 330 okay. calls. I mean, there's guys got 2,500, 3,000 to 6,000 calls. I have no desire to have that many. Yeah. Because, the you know, the, like, I, I think I was telling you earlier, like, like you know, I'm infatuated with water, historical waterfowling artifacts from our sport. Yeah. And I'm not infatuated with duck calls. Duck calls just happen to be a historic yeah. waterfowling artifact that is most prevalent in the area that I live in. Yeah. So before we leave duck, uh, before we... And I want to, you have a really cool, like, photography collection. I don't know if anyone ever asked you about your yeah. photography collection, but it's a great collection. Yeah, actually, I just, I when mean, I collect, you, I collect everything. How did you start your, like, all the, getting all the photos? Yeah, I mean, just buying old postcards and, yeah. um, and honestly, I guess really and all that stuff, um, Bob Christensen gave me, there okay. was a bunch, ton of old photos. So then I started going to eBay, um, you know, looking for them and, and I just, I love just looking at old pictures and, and seeing how, you know, different things were back in the day. And, you know, especially love the um, pictures of guys got calls around their neck. And, yeah. And, um, Have you ever placed any of your calls in the pictures or the same type? Yeah, definitely. It, it's a lot of them it's hard to find, but, you know, I found a few that's got some um, nice checkered produce and stuff in them. Yeah. You know, a few true tones and, um, um, well, there's one, there's one picture of guy's got a Perry Hooker call from here in Memphis. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah. um, that's awesome. It's pretty neat. Yeah, that's really cool. All right. So before we leave, is there anything else you want our audience to know, um, about call collecting or the history of Illinois? Call on, on, you know, honestly, I just, you know, I just, um, you know, for me, you know, outside of, you know, God, family and, and, and my job, which, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in and stuff. Waterfowl hunting is my life. Like, you know, like, it's funny, like, I, I wouldn't know my wife if I wasn't for the mallard duck. I would, you know, if I didn't duck hunt and old duck calls, like, I'd have to go recruit new friends and everything because I don't really have no life out, outside <laughs> of it. But to me, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, you know, it, it it's a way to, to be involved in duck hunting year-round. Yeah. I mean, I'm immersed in it from, um, you know, 365 days a year. And, you know, like, you know, once duck season starts, you know, you know, our season starts around Thanksgiving, you know, I'll usually from about November 1st, you know, I'll kind of stop the collecting for a little bit. Not that I don't still always have it in the back of my mind, but, you know, I, I transfer on to, to, to duck hunting and, but it's just something that to do year round. So it's, you know, when I'm not duck hunting, I mean, I, I, I it's just a way to keep me immersed in it. I mean, it's, you know, I'm so wrapped up in this stuff. I just don't have the time or the resources to, to have any other hobbies. <laughs> but um, it's just neat. And I say, and it's just such a a fun way to, you know, to meet new friends. I say, and all my friends, you know, are either from duck hunting or call collecting. Yeah. It's a great community. And it is. Waterfowlers in general are pretty It great. is. And, and another thing, it's like, and, you know, when it comes to duck hunting, you know, I mean, I've been at multi-million dollar 
duck camps that, you know, you, you don't see the, the money side of anybody or anything. When you're in duck camp, everybody's the same. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, and I really enjoy that that's aspect of it. It's a special thing. It's, it's yeah, a, I agree. It's a special thing. But, you know, I'm just so immersed in duck hunting. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, everybody says they've gone through those stages. And like I say, I can definitely see myself in the last 28, 30 years that I've been doing this, that the, the, the stages that you're in as a hunter, like, no, I'm still mad at them. You, know? you are? I, yeah. yeah I, I'm. You haven't, how are your kids in this? Are they, well, you know, it, it, are they into it yet or no? My oldest is 13. He's, you know, he's kind of, a little, um, he's, he's never taken the interest in it that, you know, and it kind of killed me there for a while because, you know, growing up, like, I mean, I mean, I was on my dad's coattails every second. I yeah. did exactly what my dad did. And, you know, he's never really taken the interest. That kind of, Hurt my feelings a little bit. <laughs> you know, he's been a few times, but my youngest, you know, he's nine. He'll be 10 in January. He's um, really started liking to go. Oh, good. You know, so, yeah. and, um, you know, and, you know, just different guys that I hunt with in the club. And I mean, that's how know, I got in. Yeah. As the littlest and the girl. Yeah. My brother got too cool for my dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then he invited me and I was going to do anything. I'd yeah. do anything to go. And All right. Well, thanks, Ryan, for coming on the show. You're welcome. Anytime. Uh, special thanks to our guest, Ryan Graves, who kind of told us all about the world of call collecting and Illinois area call makers. And thanks to our producer, Clay Baird. And thanks to you, our listeners, for supporting wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash dupodcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our long-time partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're, conservationists. we're conservationists with the next, generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside.